Welcome back to the Aaron Warner Podcast on iCode Media. I hope you enjoy the conversation I have today with my good friend, Ali Aramchian. He is a tax expert and a lawyer um, who focuses on small medical and optometry practices, dental practices, whatnot, but he knows us. And uh, today we talked about the 21 red flags to watch out for uh, to avoid being audited by the IRS. So hopefully you enjoy the conversation. Of course, we want you to be a part of the conversation. So leave a comment, share with a friend, and of course, leave a five-star review. Also, be sure to support those who support us. In the past, our focus revolved around prescribing MacuHealth or MacuHealth Plus to patients at risk of macular degeneration, while also recommending it to collegiate and professional athletes for enhanced contrast sensitivity and sports performance. However, this year's introduction of the Life Meter has been a game changer. The Life Meter revealed a concerning truth. Many of my patients have alarmingly low skin carotenoid levels, indicating potential deficiencies in essential body tissues like the retina and brain. Supported by over 30 peer-reviewed publications, LifeMeter's accuracy, consistency, and effectiveness has been demonstrated across 2,000 subjects with diverse backgrounds. With this newfound insight, I can now have meaningful conversations about carotenoid levels with all of my patients, even those who may seem outwardly healthy. To learn more about this empowering technology, feel free to contact your MacuHealth representative or click on the link in the show notes. Together, let's optimize patient care and elevate their well-being. All right, we are here with Ali Aramshi, my good friend. And uh, before we jump into this, Ali, uh, I believe this week, uh, if we're launching this podcast uh, when it's supposed to, you are going to be sharing the stage with uh, Dr. Mick Kling at the Vision Expo West in Las Vegas. I am. I am. I am. Yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, it'll be uh, 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 the first time that Mick and I are doing this, uh, you know, in Vegas together. So it should be a lot of fun, and and he's a he's he's a wealth of information. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun, especially as. You know, there's a lot of young ODs coming out for it uh, from what I've seen on social media with us. So it, sh- it should be a fun time. Although I can't say I'm going to survive Vegas for three full days. Mick, Mick, Mick put our first seminar like on, I think, Thursday morning. And then the second one is like late on Saturday. So I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work out. <laughs> you got some rest time built in there. The, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got to go to a pool or something. Yeah. There you go. So if you're going to Vision Expo, uh, you definitely... this. These are the uh, the courses that that you want to bring home from Vegas. So not everything in Vegas has to stay there. Yeah, most of it maybe, but uh, but these things you want to bring back. So be sure to check Ali out there. Um, but today we're going to talk about an exciting talk- topic, and that is uh, the the twenty one red flags on how not to get audited by the IRS. And before we dive into that, uh, Ali, why should we listen to you? What makes you a, an expert on this topic? Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean from a um, formal perspective i've got my master's in tax uh you know i'm a lawyer and uh that works uh frequently with uh, ods nationwide on structuring their partnerships and their businesses and whatnot so so i know a little bit about this (laughs) and uh and uh you know the the thing with the irs of course is that you know you hear all this stuff about how their funding has been cut under the last administration and uh, they don't have the manpower that they used to have to uh, to uh, come after businesses and individuals. And all of that is true. I mean, they, you know, they're 
their you know budget has been cut and this administration has increased that budget or at least tried to increase that budget but they're still having trouble finding um employees right like the rest of us <laughs> yeah. you know so so although i i bet our audience Aaron probably doesn't feel bad that the IRS can't find, you know, its own employees. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. So, um, but there are, um, you know, there are some, some things that in my 20 years and, you know, thousands and thousands of clients have sort of come to realize are high risk items that uh, typically, you know, by themselves may not trigger an audit, but, I'll, you know, they, these and some other factors tend to increase the chance of getting audited by the IRS. And, and the IRS, you know, doesn't have a book about how it, you know, does its audits or what it looks at or whatnot. But um, but th we know there are certain things that they look at more carefully. So, mm -hmm. so let's talk about what those are. Okay. So uh, I mean, right off the bat, you know, the easy ones are, you know, first, you know, having your wrong name and social security number. Okay, and that seems like a simple thing, but like most of us, uh, you know, business owners, we're not doing our own taxes, right? Um, you are giving your taxes to, you know, hopefully a CPA or a tax preparer, and you know, it just takes you know one wrong kind of button, right, that they're you know uh, pressing on the keypad to uh, to cause an issue. So. So one of the things I would always say is just make sure your names for you and your spouse and your children, um, you know, if you're doing a personal return or your business return, make sure all that is just correct. Just double check it because we see we see this a lot. You know, we see this a lot. So I would say that's that's probably not number number one. Um, you know, the second thing is uh, too many zeros, <laughs> you know, um, you know, double or triple zeros, uh, you know, usually are um, like a, uh, you know, a pretty good sign that whoever was preparing the tax return is guessing, <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know, so, so I don't know about you, but I, I can't remember the last time anything was like a zero, right, you know, so uh, where it was like ending in like double or triple zeros and and it's just, you know, it, it just, that's just not how the way numbers work. Right. And so, so you're talking about all the dollars that we're claiming or yeah. expenses that we're yeah. claiming. And so it's, it should be real numbers, not, not rounding, not rounding. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. And, and if you're going to round, you know, round, you know, to the nearest dollar, right. Don't round to the nearest, like $10 or a hundred dollars. Right. You know, like, you know, and so that way it's always sort of a, you know, slightly different number, but this is, this is definitely true in expenses, but it's, Especially true with, um, I mean, it's, it's true with income, but definitely true with expenses. You know, so, so I would say that um, uh, then uh, you know, uh, uh, re repeat n numbers, right? If the n number, uh, you know, which is sort of tied to that, if there's too many of those uh, that are similar, I think that's, um, I think that's an issue, right? Um, and so I would, I would be aware of that as well um, as sort of the third item, if you will. Um, so like if all of my expenses ended in 59. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so uh, I, I won't say the other number that I was thinking you were going to say, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's close to 59. But <laughs> it's oh, you're going to get me in trouble here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Um, uh, okay, then uh, and a couple of other simple things before we get into the nitty gritty uh, math errors. You know, um, you know these. By the way, there's different audits by the IRS. I should mention that too. There's there's what's called sort of letter audits, where if you do a math error, you just like you know, subtract when you're supposed to add or, you know, some variation like that, or you forget a 1099 and they, you know, somebody files a 1099 for you. They will send you a letter audit, will, which will say, hey, we noticed that you are off by 800 bucks. Uh, you know, do you agree with our calculations? You owe us another $25, you know, and then you say yes. <laughs> you never say no, by the way, <laughs> for, for small dollar amounts. You say yes, even if they're wrong, you know, just pay it and be done. Um, so, so I would do I would do that um, as well. Um, now, if you uh, as we get into sort of more substantial stuff, if uh, if you've been audited before, um, you know, even though some people disagree with this, I have seen it myself. So if you get audited before, there chances are that you know there's a red flag somewhere, and there's a chance you're going to get audited again. You know, um, it doesn't mean that it's going to be the very next year, but it does mean that, you know, they're going to be keeping sort of a little bit of a closer eye. And, you know, there might be, you know, another fault or something that they find and, and they'll, you know, they come after you. And the, and the reality is that I've actually heard, you know, uh, agents say um, that, you know, people sometimes think that because they've been audited once, they're not going to be audited again. And so they get more aggressive. You know, so, so, which, you know, obviously is, is not, you know, I think they're auditing people who've been audited because of that, you know, so. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So next one, I don't know how many we're on now, but um, uh, large changes of income. Okay. So, uh, so large changes of income uh, is probably a, really a big deal. Um uh, so, so, and, and, and it's probably one of the m most common indicators of unreported income. Okay. So, uh, you know, so, uh, a loss in a job, uh, you know, some sort of lottery win, or, you know, somebody in the family passes away, you know, it could be good or bad, right. It could be good or bad, but like something like that happens. Right. And, um, and then it just opens up sort of a can of worms. So, so huge unexpected increases or decreases is uh is for sure you know a, a, a potential problem right you know yeah. so, and that uh, makes sense yeah 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 it makes sense yeah um so uh i think we're on number yep we're on number eight, six six or seven yeah six okay six, um large refunds or net operating losses okay so uh so lo small refunds uh never a problem uh, you know, uh, but if you suddenly get a huge, huge refund, uh, then, uh, then that could be a problem, especially if you're a high income earner, right? Like if you're a high income earner and you're, you're not supposed to get a large refund. And so if you get right. a large refund, that's a problem. And, and, uh, a CPA, uh, you know, uh, that you and I both know, Aaron, um, you know, his team made a mistake on, uh, on my return many, many years ago. And uh, there was a huge, huge return that uh, the IRS had to send us uh, because of um, amended return because their team made a mistake. And guess what happened? Audited. We got audited. Now we got lucky. We got lucky. They just did a like very focused audit, you know, mm -hmm. um, and wanted specific info about 
you know, the amended return and, and the reason for the mistake and they handled it. But boy, like, you know, uh, you can imagine I got really nervous because, you know, when, once they opened up that can of worms, they really opened up that can of worms, you know? So, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, on the, on the flip side of that, I've, I've got a similar story that wasn't that bad, but a, a multiple CPAs ago, um, you know, said, hey, good news, you're getting a big return that I wasn't expecting. And uh, right. so I put the stop on it then, went back and, and caught his error. Did you? Oh, so you're smart. So, well, I wasn't expecting it. it if something's an outlier, it, I, I, I don't want to mess with the government or I'm in California, so I don't want to mess with the California Franchise Tax Board. Yeah. So the two people, that and my wife, those three people I don't mess with. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so when, when it looked out of place, I, I stopped it ahead of time because I was worried that it would spike one. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're you're smarter than me. Uh, I have to tell you because when I got it, I was like, woohoo, yes, you know, <laughs> I'm so smart, you know, yeah, you know, and 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 you know, clearly I wasn't, and neither was my CPA's team. <laughs> yeah. so, okay. so. I I do want to ask on that one though, because you said a, a net operating loss. Now we've got a bunch of uh, probably cold starts or young to business owners here, and you would expect uh, or or not expect, but it's not a surprise to have a net operating loss for maybe the first year or two. Yeah, actually it's three or so years. so in business, three years? Okay. Yeah, yeah, three years. What we've seen is that you can pretty much have a new business. It could be any kind of business, an LLC, a, you know, a corporation. Um, you, can, you can pretty much expect to lose money for three years and the IRS, you know, won't mind that. After three years, they start to get a little bit more, you know, um, careful about it you know and so 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 what i would say is i think three years is is reasonable i, I hope none of you lose money for three years by the way no. <laughs> but 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 if you do um i think you're okay but after that it becomes a little bit weird because i think the irs looks at it and says how could a business you know remain in business if they're losing significant sums for you know three or more years so that makes sense so yeah 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 um, all right. Uh, next one is foreign bank accounts. Uh, I know you have many foreign bank accounts, Aaron, uh, stashing yeah. money away in all these fancy places that you never invite me to. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, if if you have a foreign bank account, uh, you know, uh, just be ready for that. Even when you report it, I mean, you have to tell the IRS that you have a foreign bank account. Um, but if you, uh, you know, just be ready because they're they're gonna they're gonna want to look at this uh, and. And especially if you're in a country that has like really strong bank secrecy laws, um, they're going to want to look at that even more carefully to make sure you're not you're not hiding anything. That makes so, sense. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, all those uh, you know all those ties you have to you know foreign governments you know be careful about. Yes. That. yes, yes. So uh, <laughs> um, all right, uh, income from foreign trusts. So oh. um, yeah, 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 yeah. So so um, so this is less common for a lot of our clients, uh, uh, but uh, we do see some of this. Um, so if you have created foreign trusts, uh, you know, and this could be in the Caribbean, it could be in Asia, it could be in Europe. It doesn't matter really where. Um, and you uh, have assets in those foreign, you know, trusts, and they are paying you uh, income. Then uh, you just have to be ready potentially for for an audit, because remember, the U.S. doesn't have insight into those, you know, trusts, and so it's a it's a um, 
uh, it, it's an easy way potentially to to hide money and hide income and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So, so you know, it doesn't mean that everyone with a foreign trust is going to get audited by any means. And actually, none of the things we talked about today is sort of a slam dunk, but it can it can happen, right? It can yeah. happen. So the red flags. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, um, and then something similar to that is a lot of frequent cross border transactions. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so if you, uh, you know, if you have foreign assets on your on your tax returns, and you're doing a lot of transactions of buying and selling assets, you know, cross borders, then uh, there, there's a way of sort of, you know, hiding those assets and the revenue. So again, you know, um, you know, that that's a that's an easy one. Um, now this one, uh, this you know is at almost every show. Um, and this is, you know, participating in a tax shelter. Okay. Ah. So, so, um, a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of conventions these days have companies that come and what they do is they sort of promise the world by these sort of, you know, really ingenious, don't get me wrong. They're smart, uh, you know, strategies where, you know, you're creating LLCs in 30 different states and your one of your cars is in Idaho and the other car is in Nevada and, you know, you're, you know, pulling money in a consulting agreement in this state. I mean, you're just doing all this crazy stuff and, and um, or you do it a little bit more simply and you set up, you know, an entity, you know, uh, outside of the U United States and, uh, and use it in conjunction with a U.S. entity to create some sort of tax shelter. Anyways, these are great in generating fees for the companies who promote them because you're, you're setting up all these different entities, you know, yeah. entities and then you got to manage the entities and you got to you know do all this stuff with them uh but they're tax shelters you know by definition so the government you know um will come after those because their their goal as the name says right tax shelter <laughs> yeah, yeah is to is to uh, uh basically avoid tax or significantly you know, uh, uh, you know, minimize your taxes in, in a way that may not be legal. And so, so the IRS is going to look at that, you know, I mean, it's just, that's just the way it is. Yeah, it's common um, sense. Yeah. Um, okay. If you do a lot of cash transactions, um, as some of you do, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, those, uh, can be red flags. I don't really see it in the OD world a ton. Um, uh, as far as, you know, uh, this being a cause of audits, uh, but, but it, it could, you know, it could happen. Uh, this, uh, uh, has happened more and more recently, which is charitable contributions. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so because they're so hard to, um, uh, to, to really control and, and, and not all charitable contributions are truly charitable contributions, right, Aaron? And so, mm -hmm. so like, for example, if you go to, uh, a school auction, yep. right? And you, uh, you know, because I know you're a 49er fan, uh, if you get yes. tickets, right? If you get the 49er game, yep. What's that? So, yeah, get tickets to the 49er yeah, game. You get tickets for the 49ers, and let's say the face value of that ticket is, you know, $300, and you're at the auction and you pay $500, right? Yeah. Technically, you know, you should, I think the difference between those two is like your charitable contribution, right? Yep. You know, assuming, Assuming, you know, you don't allocate some of that to the food you received at the dinner and all this kind of crazy stuff. So, right. 
So, um, but nobody does that, right? Everyone just submits it as oh, right after four five hundred, right? Yeah. Exactly, you know. And so, 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 any kind of crazy inflated numbers will get um, will get audited, you know. Now, now, I don't know about you, but like when we donate, we're not donating like you know tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, like some other people might. And so, yeah. you're still within like below the threshold. But if you're like donating like a big percentage of your, you know, income, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be like, what, what, what's going on? here?" You yeah. know, so. I was going to ask that. So on a, looking at a percentage of income, is there a, a threshold? I mean, I, I can't imagine it would be more than, than a percent or, or. I have no idea. I have no idea. That yeah, there's that, that information isn't like public. So nobody okay. really knows. You know what I mean? Nobody really knows. Um, but but I think they I think they look. You know, I think they look at it. It's, it's actually one of the things I'm going to mention a little bit later that, you know, you got to be within like the range of, you know, other expenses, you know. And mm -hmm. um, and so we'll talk about that in a second. Um, okay. Okay. The next one is unreimbursed employee expenses. Okay. So um, so these get kind of abused by the IRS. So, so you know, um, you know, they'll look at, you know, they'll look at, for example, the, your adjusted gross income, your AGI, mm -hmm. and you know, uh, and then they'll look at you know what percentage of that is uh, is unreimbursed employee kind of expenses. You know, so anything over like five percent um, could probably be a problem, right? Could probably be be a problem. So so if 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 an employer, you know. Isn't likely to pay you a salary only to turn around and make you spend more than five percent of it on various costs to do your job. Then not only like is that illegal in most states, right? <laughs> because you need yeah. to be, you know, that needs to be reimbursed. Um, but they're basically kind of like throwing personal uses into that, and so then the IRS is like, oh, are you? Is this really like something that the that you know, that the business owner is doing, like, are they really screwing these employees or is the employee, is the business screwing us by letting employees run personal expenses through the business? You, you see what I mean? And yep. so, so, so it's kind of, you know, they kind of look at it really strategically like that. Cause it's like, would an employee really let their employer, you know, or would, would an employee really spend more than 5% of their income on their job without getting reimbursed. Well, if they do, then that employee is either really like out of it or yeah. there's something shady happening, right? Yep. So, so that's something to, to pay attention to both on your personal return then and on the, the business return, right? If you've got, uh, as a personal return, if I'm claiming these, these expenses, you know, why are you not getting reimbursed for them? Right. Um, or, uh, or you're just miscategorizing them. And from an employer side, you know, why are you letting them run rampant with a credit card that you're not categorizing properly. That's right. That's right. That's right. And and when people say, "Well, why would I do that with my employees?" Remember, you are an employee of your corporation. Uh-huh. Right? Right? So it's not about your other team members, although that could happen too, of course. It's about you and your spouse who works for you and your kids who work for you or in your situation, your dog and your cat and your yeah. goldfish, Aaron, you know. Yeah. They make great eyeglass models. <laughs> the goldfish, not so much for the dog and the cat. Yeah. That that goldfish is the best optician you've ever had. <laughs> oh, 
right. Um, okay. Uh, all right. Now getting to the more kind of common ones that you have to avoid. And uh, so home office deductions. Okay. Um, boy. <laughs> boy. If you are crazy enough to write off your home office, more power to you. But dude, get ready for an audit. Okay. And, uh, and like, you know, and I have CPAs that say, oh, but you use this one room of your, you know, $2 million house to do your bills and stuff. Let's write, you know, one tenth of your house off. It's like, hell no. Under no circumstances should you do a home office deduction. You know, um, I think it's crazy. I think it's crazy. Uh, as an OD, as an OD. Now, if you're, it, yeah. you know, if, you're, if your spouse is a real estate agent and they don't have an office and you're really truly like doing that, then maybe. But even then, I don't know if I would. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. I, because it's just so risky that I just I just wouldn't even touch that, you know, even if I was like a real estate agent. So. So so from a practice owner, I've got an office. There's no reason for me to have one at home. Well, Maybe yeah. Just, yeah. But even, I mean, I guess yeah. I could, but I'm asking for somebody to come look. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're just opening yourself up. Yeah, yeah. You're you're just opening yourself up. And there's you know there's a lot of misunderstandings too, Aaron, about you know these rules. And so so even CPAs sometimes make mistakes on these rules, and they misinterpret the laws, and so they deduct stuff that they're not supposed to, and then um, you know in, with a home office deduction, and then suddenly you know it's it's you know here you go, right? You you got yeah. an audit, and um, and so and you know and they go back three four years. I mean technically they can go back seven. Um, but you know, if there's fraud and stuff, but they usually like just stick to the, you know, three, four years, but that's, that's potentially a, a ton of money and, and work and effort and all of that. Right. So, oh, for sure. Um, okay. The second one, uh, that I say is really, really close to the home office deduction is, uh, claiming an excessive amount of business, uh, meals, entertainment, travel expenses, you know, all, all those things. So every one of my vacations, just because I talked about eyeballs, uh, oh, I probably can't write off. Right, right. Unless, unless you take your favorite OD lawyer with you. Well, that's a business trip right there. And if we take a picture in our swimsuits, you know, and I have my computer, then it is all write offable. I'm just telling you. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So meals, entertainment, travel. Uh, it's, uh, it's become, it wasn't this bad before, but it's become more of an issue because, you know, the rules around it have become more, um, uh, stringent, you know, about what mm -hmm. you can write off and what you can't write off. Like you used to be able to write off, you know, your sports tickets and things of that nature. You can't really do that as much anymore. Um, you know, you can, you know, your meals and stuff, you know, uh, the last administration changed that, uh, to be a little bit more flexible um, than it used to be before, but still, you know, you got to be careful about writing off like a hundred percent of all of that. So yeah. what's good documentation? Uh, Cause I'm sure that's going to be the next question is how do I prove that it truly was a business trip versus, versus not. So what, what yeah. would you recommend if I'm going to write something off, what documentation should I have? Yeah. So like the best thing to do would be to take the receipt and write who you're with, right? 
Um, and, uh, and, you know, and it, you know, just a quick note of like who you were with and, you know, maybe what was discussed or whatever, but it doesn't have to be like an outline of what you discussed, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but you just say, you know, lunch with my CPA, so-and-so, right. Um, and then I would just take a picture of it and save it somewhere. Right. Um, yep. and, uh, and that's, that's pretty much like all you really need to do. Um, some people don't like receipts, so what they do is they take their credit card statements at the end of the month and they just like write notes in that. Um, but you know, if you, you know, if you have a business credit card, which hopefully most of you do, you know, it's not like one or two items, right? You've got like a thousand items every month for all your business expenses. I mean, it can get pretty kind of crazy. So yeah. So one one little hack I found that I'll share with everybody. There's there's two apps I like. One is called Expensify. Oh, and uh, it's free. I think I've got the the paid version of it now, but it, the five bucks a month. But it'll you take a picture of the receipt, you can put it in, you can categorize it. So I do it for all my family's medical bills as well, and generate different cool. reports. Yeah, and it generates a uh, a PDF receipt. So at the end of the year, I just I print them all off because I hate receipts. I hate paper. I'm sure not going to print out the credit card receipt at the end of the uh, no. or statement and do it. But that's a real quick way I can do it at just at the time of and have it all saved in one place. I love that. I love that. What was the other app? The other app is called Genius Scan, and it creates just a PDF. Um, And I use that a lot more for for document stuff if I want to just keep a PDF of a document. Yeah. But uh, it doesn't categorize. It's harder to classify, but the the Expensify, I can have build multiple reports and just add different expenses to different reports. I love that. I'll check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Next one isn't a huge red flag, um, you know, uh, because... Uh, you know, things happen, but it's, you know, medical expenses. Um, and so, you know, if, uh, as you get older, uh, you know, the IRS kind of understands that there's going to be more, um, you know, uh, expenses that come in, into this. And so, so, you know, what, what I would say is if you're younger and you have crazy amount of medical expenses, you're probably higher risk than if you're older and you have high, high medical, uh, expenses. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, and you know, they look at the history and stuff too. If somebody, if somebody, you know, is, you know, 29 years old and they suddenly, their income suddenly is going up and they're making three, $400,000 a year. And then suddenly their medical expenses are also, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. Like that's gonna, you know, that, that's going to be a problem. Um, but, um, but, but usually that's not a huge thing. Um, okay. Uh, this is another big one. Losses from rental property. So, um, so again, some rental property is, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're sort of supposed to, you're supposed to, um, you know, lose money on it. You know, in the first couple of years, like we talked about, because, you know, it is what it is. Um, and, and that's not going to necessarily trigger an audit. I usually say three years. Um, but, but that, you know, especially in a down economy, not that we are in a down economy right now, but like if, if you are in a recessionary environment or something more severe, then, uh, then losses in real estate make sense. Um, but it has been known to be a place where people, you know, pad losses because it goes directly to your personal tax returns. Right. So, got it. So that, that could be it. All right. Um, so this one is uh, hard to know how to manage, but it's important to know it, which is margin, uh, percentages and the Delta, um, you know, of where you are. So let me give you an example. Let's say we'll use San Diego since you're, mm-hmm. you know, since you're from San Diego, since I'm here. Yep. Um, if you look at 
the average income of La Jolla, Aaron? What do you think that would be? Oh, of La Jolla? Uh, high hundred thousands. Okay. So yeah. let's say it's, let's just make up a number. Let's say it's 200,000. Okay. Right? Just for fun. If someone shows income of 75,000, right? That's a far enough delta between that that it could, right? It could, mm-hmm. you know, trigger an audit. Now, you, you would say, well, Ali, like not everyone in La Jolla is no. going to be a doctor, you know, is going to be a, you know, you know, technology, you know, expert or whatever. You're, and you're right. Exactly. So that's not the only thing they look at, of course, but you have to keep that in mind, right? That, that now what, what I think is even more important than that is the difference in terms of expenses, right? So what I mean is if you, you know, the IRS has information that we don't have access to, right? Like they know that, okay, someone might spend 5% of their income on, and I'm, I'm making this up by the way, everyone, yeah. but you know, 5% of their income in, you know, might go to, uh, you know, housing expense and 1% might be, you know, donations and 2% might be medical bills. If suddenly, your donations are 15%, right? That's going to trigger an audit, yep. right? If your meals and entertainment are suddenly 99% of your income, that's going to trigger an audit, right? Yeah. And so so I, I had a young OD um, from Berkeley, actually. I did an in-person se- webinar or um, uh, in-person seminar for them. And, uh, and he was uh, talking about how his... A brother uh, who had graduated, you know, a number of years before him from another school um, had, uh, um, you know, written off every penny of his income. And he had written it off because he had all these expenses, cars, you know, travel, this and that. And, you know, I said, oh, that's great. You know, and and, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, you might get away with that one year. But boy, I mean, you keep doing that. I mean, that is that is an audit waiting to happen because not, you know, we all would love to have zero income by deducting oh, yeah. everything that we do, you know, from our uh, actual revenue. But that's not, you know, that's not possible, right? You can't have that many deductions. And so, so, so you just have to kind of keep that in mind. Right? In mind. So I'm going to bring this back a little bit to, uh, to optometry practices and uh, not on the, on a tax basis, but there's categories, right? And so 30% cost of goods is yeah. mid, mid. High twenties, thirty percent cost of goods is normal. If we're looking at a practice that's forty percent cost of goods, there's a problem. Yeah, maybe exactly. it's bad management. Maybe you're writing off. You know, you're reclassifying things the wrong way. So I see it no different. You know, than than the uh, the IRS would. If you're yeah. looking at things that are out of balance, there's gonna be a problem, and there's a, a reason to look there. There's a, exactly, and you, actually, you know what? That's a perfect way of saying it. There's a reason to look there. Right. Yeah. And so so in your example, there's a reason for you to look there. Right. In, oh, yeah. this, in, the, in the topic that we're having in this, you know, podcast, it's a reason for the IRS to look there. You know, and that's yeah. not a reason you want. <laughs> so, no, no, so, don't give them a reason. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. The next thing is small business schedule C losses. That basically means you're a sole proprietor. Um, I cannot tell you how much I have traveled the country trying to teach ODs and other doctors, quite honestly, to always be a corporation. And I remember 
you know, I remember Aaron, like 15 years ago, these CPAs would like argue with me left and right, left and right about not incorporating and how much extra work it was and, you know, all this stuff. And I just found out that they were just being lazy, right? Like they just yeah. didn't want, they, they, they knew personal returns. They just didn't want to do a corporate return. And, uh, and boy, you know, that's not the right way to think about it, right? No. That's not. Can you think of any good reason why somebody would not incorporate no. the business? No, there's no, there's no, there's no real drawback to incorporating. And, and people might say, Ali, that's not true. We have to pay the state, you know, some money every year. Plus we have to do a tax return. Yeah. Let's say that costs you $2,000 a year. Just like, let's just max it out, right? Let's say it costs yep. you $2,000 a year. You should be playing uh, self-employment tax games with your corporation. These are tricks of whereby, you know, uh, you reduce your self-employment tax that you're charged by the federal government. Uh, and by doing that, you'll save way more than $2,000. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing yeah. wrong with it. Um, um, who, was the, um, who was the guy from Delaware that ran for president, like, you know, uh, when Bill Clinton was running um, uh, and lost? Um, what, what's his name? Um, oh, uh, oh, man. I try to stay out of politics. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know. There was I forget his name now. But but anyways, that guy got a lot of beef during the election uh, because he uh, John Edwards. That's that was oh, yeah, yeah. John Edwards. Yeah. So so John Edwards got a lot of beef during the election cycle because he showed like you know a salary of two hundred fifty thousand dollars, but profits of like millions and millions of dollars. Right. And, and he got so much beef for that, but it's like every smart business person is doing exactly that, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're making a million dollars a year in income, not like, like, you know, receipts for your business, but just like income to you, yeah. you would never pay yourself a million dollars. You would pay yourself 250,000, maybe more, a little bit more now because of some of the recent rule changes. And then the rest would be profit. Right. And then you don't pay self-employment taxes on that. Right. And so so I mean, and I'm, I'm you know, this is not a tax, you know, this is not a CPA course, of course, but like you should be doing that. So so there's literally no downside to being incorporated. Right. Like no downside whatsoever. So it's it's the silliest thing. So um, anyways, uh, OK, uh, next couple. And before we jump on, how hard is it to incorporate? So if somebody's listening to this, they're a sole prop. They say, I don't want I, I just it's on my to do list. They call you. How, how long does it take? How hard does it to incorporate? Super easy. Super easy. You call me. We incorporate you in most states within, you know, within a couple of weeks maximum. In California right now, we can get it in 24 hours. It's that fast. You know, well, in New Jersey, it's a little bit slower because they're just a pain in the you know what. Um, <laughs> but but uh, but overall, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Got it. Um, OK. Uh, mileage and vehicle expense, uh, you know. You know, write off your car payment if you want, your leases, but don't do the whole, you know, I drove 17 miles today and, you know, you know, you know, just you know, be, be careful about how you do all of that. You know, um, you know, you know, you're, you know, you're supposed to technically log mileage and you're supposed to do all of that stuff. Um, and that's good, you know, sort of proper business substantiation, you know, rules, mm -hmm. but um, but the reality is, is that, you know, you, you, you're not going to do it 
well and it's going to potentially come back, you know, so, so, and, 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 and really built on that, I guess the issue would be if you wrote off a hundred percent of your car, right? Like if you, cause nobody really drives their car a hundred percent of the time for business. And so, you know, I would bring it down to, you know, some other number. So it makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then the last thing I have is frequent stock trades. So um, there's nothing wrong with doing that, um, you know, uh, but, you know, you have to be really good about, uh, you know, keeping track of your basis for your stock, um, you know, and what you sold it for uh, and make sure that you don't make any mistakes in the math. Remember what I said? One of the first things I said is don't make a mistake with the math. You know, yeah. just make sure you're not making a mistake with the math because, um, because the IRS gets these reports automatically from the Charles Schwabes and the Merrill Lynch's or whatnot. So, so you know, you show a different number than what they have, and uh, then you know that that could increase, you know, increase it. So, so I've got a question on that because I, um, I I'm not very lucky when it comes to the gaming casinos and uh, either Vegas or the uh, the reservation ones here in San Diego. Yeah. So I, I, I took my poor skills to Robinhood to see how good of a trader I was on my Robinhood app, and uh, turns out I'm no better than if I'm playing Blackjack. <laughs> but um, it, when you talk about frequent stock trades, are, are, is that something that I need to be concerned about? Or is this usually for, for stock trades that are significantly larger than the couple grand that I'm playing with. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's not. It's not going to be at your yeah at, at your level. It, they're really looking at. Um, they're really looking at much more significant trades, right? Where there's a lot of profit and loss, you know, kind of happening. And if you have a lot of profit, they probably don't care, right? <laughs> it's more the it's more the the losses that you know that people sometimes you know um, kind of make up to offset you know the high income so so but yeah i would say i would say if you have high volume like you're a frequent trader that's all you do i think there's more chance of of problems happening got it so it sounds like all of the and that was 21 on my count but it sounds like all of these really are are kind of common sense and if i'm trying to skirt the rules of the game that raises a red flag for them trying to to catch me. No different than if we're playing baseball or football. If I'm trying to skirt the rules of the game, we've got referees in place or umpires in place to just make sure that the game is being played fair. Yeah. And uh, and and you know, the more you try to skirt and take advantage, the the more likely you are to get called for it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and look, you know, the pressure is there. Like I get it, right? Like you, you know, you're you're a high income earner. You pay a lot of tax, especially if you're in New York, California, Hawaii, whatever. And you're like, oh, my gosh, do I really need to pay 53% of every dollar to the government? And, and then so you start thinking about doing things that are a little bit more clever. And so as soon as someone you know, comes and says, oh, I've got a way for you to do it, you want to do it. But I think you're right. I think you just have to be, you have to be aware that it's, it's not worth it because the potential risks are so high. So now I've got a question for you because we get uh, you know, advice from from everybody and, and our friends and professionals. And I was actually talking with Joe Deloach the other day um, that when we do billing and coding, just because we got paid for something doesn't mean that it was appropriate and Medicare can come back or any of the insurances can come back and audit us and say, hey, we paid you, but we shouldn't have. And now we're going to more deeply uh, audit you. Um, 
I imagine the same thing for the federal government, you know, just because we got away from it one year or, or two years or three years um, doesn't mean we're, we're doing the right thing. So when we're getting advice, how do we know the advice we're getting is good? Well, yeah, I mean, look, I think that's, that's the million dollar question, right? Is um, how do you know, right? Like how, how do you know, um, you know, if, uh, that what you're hearing is accurate or not. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there, Aaron, who, you know, their job is to, you know, um, try to defraud you, you know, I mean, we see it, right. We see it all across the board with so many different, you know, uh, you know, groups and whatnot that are, you know, trying to, you know, um, you know, have you, you know, file this paperwork for $500, file that for this. I mean, they're just always just trying to do stuff. Um, and mm. I think the question is just instead of just jumping into it, ask some questions, talk to people and say, hey, have you heard of this? What do you think? You know, um, you know, send it to people like you, send it to people like me, you know, ask people's opinions about it who maybe, um, you know, are, are experienced in it. That way, you know, it's very, um, you know, uh, you know, it, it, you know, you have a different set of eyeballs on it. And if yep. that's, you know, if, if that, you know, allows you this, the ability to, you know, m not make a mistake, then it's, it's worth it. Right. So. Oh, a hundred percent. It's, uh, what is that? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Yeah, exactly. And I certainly don't want the, uh, the IRS come breathing down my back and asking for documents and paperwork and no, uh, no, 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 not at all. No, nobody, nobody does. Nobody wants that. And, and I think, you know, I think, you know, I, I think sometimes we just get enamored so much by, you know, um, some of these things we, we forget, right. That, um, you know, we forget that there's people trying to kind of take advantage of us. So, yep. And I would expand that onto ourselves. Sometimes we get excited and want to take advantage of, of ourselves and let ourselves get caught up in, in the excitement and, uh, and look that, you know, making money, part of making money is paying taxes. And uh, it actually might've been you that told me that one of the best questions to ask a CPA is what their thought is on paying taxes. And, and my favorite answer is I want you to pay a lot because you have made a whole lot more. Right. And I just want you to pay the ones that are appropriate. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you, you want, you want somebody exactly who's aggressive, but not too aggressive. Right. <laughs> so, so, so that's right. Well, hopefully this has been helpful for everyone. Nope, super helpful. And uh, the if you are in uh, Vegas for Vision Expo West, uh, yeah. be sure to check out uh, Ali when he is speaking with uh, with Mick Kling. The um, also want to thank you for all the work you do uh, in the optometry community. I know that you work with all medical professions, uh, but certainly do a lot of work uh, with us on on cold starting practices, transition practices, and just helping to navigate the the side of practicing optometry that we weren't taught in school the business stuff of and, course uh, yeah it's my pleasure it's so, super fun to be able to do this and i uh love uh working with vision source and and all of you guys because you guys are the best of the best and uh this is a lot of fun so awesome we appreciate it and then i will have your contact information in the show notes so if you want to get a hold of ali um, be sure to uh, to reach out and as always if you got any questions uh, comments uh, please uh, let us know, and if they're directed towards Ali, we'll get them to him and make sure you get a response. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Man. Thanks, Aaron.